How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, everybody, welcome back to our show as we continue on, and we are delighted to be joined now by Amy Deem, Director of Track and Field at the University of Miami and one of the greatest coaches anywhere. And, Amy, always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm great tonight, Joe. How are you? So far, so good. Uh, All right, so we're going to talk about the team traveling to the Tom Jones this weekend in Gainesville for the second time, but where are we right now in your season? And and, uh, I see a lot of good things. So how do you feel about the way the year has gone? You know, I'm excited about this team, both teams, men and women. Um, You know, we we were just discussing COVID and and this group came back so focused and um, really just trying to do everything right. And, and I'm really proud of, of how they've handled this whole, this whole last, you know, eight months since we got back to school in August. And uh, we have a really good group right now. We've got, it's a, it's a fun team, both on the men and women's side. We've got a nice mix of old and young. Um, so we've got good leadership and, um, so it's been really fun. It's, and, and to watch them grow and get better. We had some great performances this weekend, this past weekend at home, um, at our alumni meet. And we were, we got to recognize quite a few of our seniors. And, um, so just, you know, we have one more competition, one, you know, this week at Tom Jones. Then we finish up the regular season in Jacksonville, um, at the end of the month. And then it's championship season in May and June. Okay, the uh, the women are ranked number 13. The men are ranked number 31. You've had countless outdoor program records have been broken this season. Russell Robinson, Isaiah Holmes, Michelle Atherley, uh, Zakia Rashid, uh, they've all broken all kinds of records. Take us through some of these performances. Well, Isaiah Holmes is a transfer from UCLA. He was a grad transfer who we actually get two years of eligibility. So um, we're real excited about him. He's brought a lot of leadership to the program. Um, and then, you know, he's he's just beginning. It was a, He hasn't jumped high jump for two years for him to come out this past weekend and do what he did and put himself as one of the top jumpers in the country. We just feel he's just going to continue to get better. Russell um, is from Orlando area um, and came down and he, 
athlete. Um, he's really um, a freshman outdoors. So, again, he's progressing, just jumping really well. So really good things on the men's side, which, you know, we've been working really hard to get our men's program to the level that our women are. And, and I think they're just going to continue to get better as the season goes on. And, you know, what more can you say about Michelle Atherley? She's just done so much for our program, national champion. Um, you know, to go out and and hasn't competed in two years, and to go out and her first heptathlon, break the school, break her own school record, um, and just prove, like we all know, that she's one of the best in the nation. So she's and she's just provided great leadership as well, and um, she's been great for our young uh, our young freshmen and our younger people on our team. And um, she just comes out every day ready to go to work and get better and. And it shows in her performances. And Zakia the same way. Um, both of them had one year of eligibility left last year. And COVID took their outdoor season. And she came out and lit it on fire, um, the first track meet. And um, I just look for her to continue to get better as we get closer to ACCs. You know, we, we um, last year you mentioned COVID. Uh, we lost a lot of athletics. We lost baseball and tennis. How, how did it affect track and field? How did it affect your performers not being able to participate in track and field for a year in a sport that requires daily maintenance you know it was tough um you know we we were at our indoor championship when blake called and and you know things shut down and we had to come home we were on our way to our final practice the meet started the next day so it was very difficult for those kids they'd work you know, their whole indoor season. Um, the rest of the team was on spring break. I just mentioned Michelle and, and several of the upperclassmen that, that only had outdoor track and field left last year. So they really, they haven't competed for two years. So when we came back to school in August and um, we had been, you know, pretty much down for five months, not able to do anything like, like most teams, um, really didn't know what to expect. Um, I knew they would, you know, they were begging to come back. They were begging to practice. And so that was a good sign. But like I mentioned earlier, they, they've just from day one have been focused for, you know, whether it was indoor season this year or for this group of, of older seniors, this, this outdoor season. And, uh, to wait two years for something, you don't know exactly what, you know, how it's going to go, but, their focus, their determination is just, it's very inspiring. What would you say would be the strength of both the men and the women's team? I always love watching the 400, but what, what would you say would be the strength? Um, you know, I think it, it's probably one of the most balanced teams we've had. Um, we're very good in the field events on the men's side. Um, we're younger um, in the sprint side of things, but I think when it counts, um, we're going to um, – you know, we're going to be very balanced. I'd say right now, our, you know, our field events are probably our strength on the men's side, but I, but I think that's going to change in the next few weeks. I think we're going to be even more balanced. On the women's side, we just really are balanced. We have, you know, Michelle in the, in the heptathlon. We had an ACC champion freshman in the high jump. Um, we have, you know, we're strong in the triple jump. And then, you know, we've got one of the top 100-meter um, hurdlers in the country. Our relay is, our 4 by one relay is ranked very high. So I would really say that, you know, we just – very balanced on the women's side and and that's why we're continuing to rise in the rankings i think um because we do we have sprints we have throws and we have jumpers so and that's what it takes to be successful at the ncaa level i should mention uh during the indoor season you had two indoor first team all-americans and you had two second team all-americans mm-hmm. yeah alfreda Steele, tiara mcmahon and um 
and Debbie Ajabe, both all three did a, had a great indoor season. Debbie was the ACC indoor performer of the year um, in the field events. Um, she's um, coming around doing really well for us outdoors. She was an NCAA qualifier two years ago, so uh, in the discus and the shot put. So, uh, like I said, we just were very strong, and Tiara is one of the top three hurdlers in the country right now. Um, Alfreda Steele is one of the top in the 100, and um, we're getting ready to uh, run a few 200s. So, like I said, we're just really strong in a lot of different areas. Uh, you mentioned Debbie Ajabi. She also received the ACC Postgraduate Scholarship. How, in, how impactful is that for her? She's, you know, she does it. She is the student athlete. I mean, she's an engineering major. Um, she's involved in our student advisory committee. She's just a very well-rounded student athlete. She excels in the classroom and, you know, on the field with in her throwing events. Um, she's, you know, she's gonna. Um, it, it's great that COVID is actually a benefit for her in the aspect that she's going to walk out of Miami, you know, with an undergrad and master's degree in engineering. So, um, you know, so we're very proud of Debbie and, and everything she's done. She, she, um, actually went to school right down the street at Ransom. So, um, it's nice for a, for a hometown girl to excel in our program. These uh, some of these stories never cease to to amaze me. There are just every year great stories in athletics. Yes, I mean we're so fortunate. We have so many great athletes. I was just talking to Paige um, Stella's a senior, and their senior days Friday in women's tennis. So it's you know, and Stella and Michelle are really they really bonded over their national championships. They were a couple weeks apart, you know, two years ago. So it's really cool to see. You know, a young lady from the west coast of Florida and, and a young lady from Spain. And, um, you know, people just don't realize the stories and the bonds that these young people build in our athletic department. Yeah. Paige might have a tear or two on Friday. Yes. <laughs> um, you mentioned you're going to the Tom Jones this weekend in Gainesville. Uh, take us through this meet in Gainesville. It's going to be a lot of um, quality teams, uh, you know, a lot of SEC schools, um, Florida State. So it'll be um, really good. It'll also be a lot of the teams that we'll face at the end of May in our East preliminary, NCAA East preliminary meet. So it'll be another opportunity for us to really line up against some of the best, especially on the East Coast. Um, and Arkansas is coming in there, the defending um indoor champions ncaa champions so it'll be a quality competition a lot of strong events and um i'm really excited because our athletes our team has really stepped up to this type of competition so i don't expect anything less this weekend what happens when miami and florida state or miami and florida step on the track against each other oh there's always a little bit of competitiveness you know it's, so just a little um but you know that's um it's funny um in the rankings right now we're 12th we're all three right together so um there's a little ex extra incentive incentive right there so you know I, you know florida's always you know they're the gators um but florida state that's that's the team we really go after first because it should come down to us or them for the ACC championship on the women's side. So there's a few other good schools, but um, but it'll be a battle with Florida State in May. So you mentioned um, the men. You're getting them uh, to a spot 
getting closer to the women. You you coach both. You've had a great women's program. How are you uh, creating uh, uh, an impact with the men in terms of getting them even better? I know you have some uh, hurdles and limited options, but you have really turned this men's program into something special. We're working on it. It's been a, you know, our staff's worked really hard um, to get the right people in. We've had a couple transfers that are going to make a difference for us this year. I mentioned Isaiah. Um, Kevin has done a great job in the hammer throw. So we've got the, all the pieces. It's just really putting them together. We haven't quite put them all together. So I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks um, we have a we have a chance to have a really good four by four with with um, with some freshmen on our team. Uh, we have a, a fifth year senior McKinley Brown from American Heritage High School. Um, he's one of the top 400 hurdlers in the East Region, and I look for him to run even better this year. So we've got some strong leadership, and if these if these upperclassmen really step up, I think the men are going to. They're going to jump in the next couple of weeks and, and hopefully be one of the best ranked men's teams we've had so far. Amy Deem, director of track and field, is our guest on the show. Before we let you go, the Olympics, they're going to give it a go this year. It was supposed to go last year. You are a veteran coach of the Olympics. I guess two-part question. One, will you participate as a coach this year? And two, what, what do you think the Olympics will look like in lieu of COVID? I think you know it's um, from a spectator standpoint, um, it's going to be it's going to be pretty rigid. I, I've heard bits and pieces of it. I'm not on the uh, Olympic staff this year, but I, I do know that it's it's um, it's going to be a lot of protocols. You know, we've we've watched a lot of pro sports in the U.S. and and I think they're, the the village. I think it's going to be um, it's going to be very. You get to go and you know at your event but you're not gonna you know one of the greatest things about being in the olympics or being on the olympic team is is not only this the, you know to go and do your event or participate but there's just such a camaraderie with team usa and i think you know the ability to support each other and, and the whole, total olympic experience i think is going to be um it's it's just not going to be what it normally would be and, and but at the same time these athletes have worked extremely hard so hopefully they'll at least get to go and compete and and, and compete at their best but and i think just the stands and um it's going to be pretty much you know local fans and things like that um a lot of restrictions i'm afraid still so but hopefully we'll have it and and team usa will will excel like we normally do all right, Amy, always great to speak with you. The very best of luck this weekend in Gainesville. And if you step on the track with the Knowles, go get them. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. It's great talking to you tonight. All right, that's Amy Deem joining us on the show, one of the great coaches in the United States and, of course, at the University of Miami as well. Still to come, more football talk on the show. Also, when we come back, Ray Gill, Hurricanes baseball player, will join so we will talk university of miami baseball when we come back but first let me talk to you about one of my favorite subjects and some of my favorite people ed williamson and carol williamson of williamson cadillac a part of miami's very new unique community for over 52 years and Williamson Cadillac has served this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Now, if you've got a dream car, if you're thinking about your dream luxury automobile, your dream can come true at Williamson Cadillac. You can check out their entire 
find out on at williamsoncadillac.com. Better yet, visit their state-of-the-art facility, conveniently located at US-1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. You can get yourself in one of the XT crossovers. I have driven the XT4. I've driven the XT5. I've driven the XT6. A plus to all of them. So check them out right now, Williamson Cadillac. Or you can get around town in the CT Sedan Series or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. And let me tell you something. The Escalade is red hot. It is red hot. Fifth generation of the Cadillac Escalade. You can get it right now at Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Okay, Travaris Robinson still to come on the show. University of Miami defensive backs coach. Travaris Robinson will talk about the Hurricanes uh, secondary. That will be coming up in our next segment, so be sure to join us for that. Tomorrow, Zach McLeod will be joining us on the show. And uh, if for some reason, if you are, will not be around in our next segment for Coach T-Rob, we'll replay that for you tomorrow in Hurricanes Rewind. But right now, let's talk about University of Miami baseball and joining us. Veteran player for the University of Miami, Ray Gill is with us, and Ray, always good to watch you. Ray, uh, thank you. How's it going? It's going good, man. How about you? Very good. Thank you. Uh, you got to be excited to be home now after a tough trip at Pittsburgh. You had five straight coming up at home, so you got to be excited about that. How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about the way you're swinging the bat right now? Because it appears to be coming off of your bat pretty well with a couple of home runs last weekend. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm starting to finally get into my groove. You know, it took me a while. Uh, definitely had a lot of ups and downs, but I feel like I'm catching my stride now, and, and hopefully we can go on a little run now at the end of the season. Uh, you're hitting 321, three homers, eight RBIs over the last 10 games. Um, do you think that part of getting into your stride was simply the fact that yeah, – some might say it's a cop-out, but you didn't play all of last year. I think for certain guys, it's been harder to get their swing back. Yeah, I mean, I definitely will say that. And Obviously, coming off that injury I had in the fall, I didn't really have much ABs coming into the season. So, uh, obviously, I'm not using that as an excuse or a crutch, but it definitely takes a toll, and, and it takes a little more time to get back into the rhythm. Uh, Gino has gone to a little bit of a little bit more of a of a veteran lineup. How important do you think that has been? Uh, I think our young guys have done well. Um, I just think the the veterans have a little bit more experience, and and we've handled the ups and downs, and have been through a long year uh, in which our freshman year uh, we weren't so good, and we had some success sophomore year, so. We know how a little more how to deal with adversity, and and the young guys are learning quick, so that's a good thing. You have uh, been working closely with with Coach Lopez, uh, making some adjustments. Can you take us through some of the things that that you've been working on with Norby? Uh, just trying to see the ball a long time, so uh, just trying to make everything more simpler. 
and, and get my foot down and, and give myself time to really see the pitch and, and lay off those bad pitches that uh, sometimes I tend to, to chase and, and really just give myself a chance to see the ball and, and put a good swing. You mentioned some of the young guys, and on the left side of the infield, you have Yohande, uh, Yohande Morales and Dominic Patelli. Let's uh, discuss a little bit about the impact that they are having both uh, with their glove and at the plate. Uh, big time. I mean, Patelli is probably one of the best defensive shortstops I've ever played with, uh, and that's saying a lot since uh, you know I played with Freddie for, for three years. Uh, Patelli's one of the best defensive guys I've seen flat out. And he's starting to catch his stride now, hitting. Uh, he's adjusting and, and making changes on the fly, and, and you can definitely tell with his ABs. And uh, Yo-Yo's a guy that, since the first game he came in, you know, he just he balled out. He he's a gamer, and you know that every game you're, you're going to get his best. And and he never seems like he's overmatched by anyone. Hurricane 17 and 11 overall, 10 and 10 in conference play. So you're at 500 in the conference. You know, I, I kind of thought that something like this might happen because there are more conference games. And whether it's basketball or football, when you bring more conference games, games are tougher, games are harder to win. There are going to be some, a few more losses. Uh, how about playing inside the ACC this year, almost in, in all ACC schedule? Has it been difficult? Have you enjoyed the competition? Oh, definitely enjoy the competition. Uh, you know, said it from the beginning of the year, uh, this is the best he's ever seen the ACC, and he's obviously been coaching at the U for a very long time. So for him to say that, that really means a lot. And, and we've been seeing that every team we play now, uh, they're good. They're, they're not bad, and, and they give us good games. And like you said, just playing more in-conference games is going to be tougher games and uh, more competitive. So you just got to stick with it and see if we can win a couple series in a row. Yep. Ray Gill is our guest. you got a big series coming up. Clemson first is Florida Gulf Coast. But what is the mindset going in to this week? Five games at home, I think it is. Florida Gulf Coast sandwiched with Clemson and then another game with Gulf Coast. Uh, we're just trying to take it one game at a time and start getting into consistent baseball that we know we could play uh, and not just have a roller coaster of, of one day good, one day bad. You know, we, we know we're talented. We know we can hang with all these teams in the ACC, so we just got to stick to how we play and, and try to play consistent. You are undefeated in midweek games. Do you think that those games – for example, tomorrow can set the tone for the weekend. Oh, definitely. Um, again, Gina harps on midweek games, so that's that's a big factor in, in getting into the playoffs and how your resume looks. And um, my freshman year, one of the reasons we didn't make the a regional is we didn't really have a good midweek schedule. I mean, record. So we really emphasize on starting the week on a good note and and giving all our attention to our midweek opponent before we look to the weekend series. It's funny because, you know, your, your sophomore year, now it seems like ages ago, but your sophomore year, it was a trip to Mississippi State for the regionals, and that was a lot of fun. But unfortunately, there, were, there, there was no baseball last year. So in four years, you've tasted regional play one time. Does that still motivate you? Because that was a heck of a regional two years ago. Is that something that's been in your mind that you'd like to get back into that kind of tournament? 
Oh, 100%. Uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, after my junior year, I wanted to come back so much. Um, yeah, we got cut short, but also because I still had that bad taste in my mouth of losing at Mississippi State. And like you said, I've only been to a regional once in my four years here. So that's definitely something I, I want to get back to and, and obviously make it to Omaha for my first time. And um, we all still remember the feeling from losing at Mississippi State. That's something that hasn't gone away, especially since we didn't get to play a full year last year. Uh, obviously, the first half of the season kind of up and down. I know Gino talked to the team a little bit about that today. And, and becoming a more consistent team, how do you think the team can find more consistency the rest of the way? Uh, just, you know, keep believing in each other and, and knowing we're good enough and, and not let uh, your average or your stats or any of that cloud your mind and, and get in the way. Um, we We can't be... Uh, result oriented. We need to be team oriented and and have team at bats and team innings and and do what's good for the team. And at the end, your stats will show. So we just got to stick to that. Uh, by the way, I know you don't want to look ahead too much, and you do have Golf Coast tomorrow. The next two or the next six games inside the ACC are really good, uh, good teams, exciting teams to play against. Clemson and North Carolina. Uh, you got to be looking forward to those kind of teams, right? Because they, you, you see them every. Well, you don't see Clemson every year, but you do see Carolina. But uh, those are good traditional baseball clubs. Right. Yeah. Definitely look forward to them. Um, when the schedule first comes out, you kind of look at weekends that you're looking forward to obviously you want to stay in the moment and stay game to game week to week but you definitely have some weekends circled on your calendar and UNC is, is definitely one of them and, and Clemson's always been a good baseball team so it's always fun playing good teams and and you know it's going to be a great weekend series do you have to face Patelli in inner squad games I mean, uh, uh, not, not, not Patelli, um, the, your, your left-hander. You have to face him in, in the inter-squad games. That must not be a lot of fun, right, if you had to do that in, oh, in the offseason. Carson Palmquist. Oh, yeah, you have yeah. to face Palmquist in the, in the inter-squad? Yeah, that's never fun. <laughs> <laughs> How about when Palmquist is out there? What is the feeling when he gets the baseball late in the game if it's on the line? I mean – Honestly, I, I don't see the team making a comeback. If, if we have a one or, or more run lead, I'm, I'm super confident that he's just going to get the job done. And Obviously, it's baseball, and you know that that may not happen in the whole year, but that's the feeling we have. You see our pitching staff in the bullpen, and they seem like if they're relaxed, and, and we know that Carson's going to get the job done because, one, he's a extreme competitor, and we all know his stuff is just nasty, so... Yeah, uh, it, he has to be one of the toughest pitchers in the entire country. If you look at his numbers, you look at for uh, Palmquist's numbers, I just want to tell our audience what his numbers are. Ray, 39 strikeouts and three walks. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? No, yeah, yeah, that's unheard of. I, I, I always call him the best closer in college baseball, and that's my opinion. Yeah. And then you've had uh, two young hard-throwing right-handers, Rosario and Medeiros out there. Uh, what are your thoughts about how they have progressed? Uh, they keep getting uh, better and better every week. You know, sometimes they have their setbacks. Maybe they walk a guy or two 
an inning and obviously you don't want that as your starter but they keep learning and learning and they're going to keep getting better and better they're they're just freshmen and they keep getting experience pitching on the weekend rotation and their stuff is really really good obviously we faced them in the fall and spring uh, scrimmages so I know how good they can be and how good they are and they have a lot of room to grow and I can't wait to, to see it Ray, you've been a great guest. I'm not sure if we've had you on the Hurricane Hotline, but you did a wonderful job. I like watching you at the plate, man. You swing hard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like getting cheated, so. <laughs> yeah, you don't get cheated, that's for sure. That's a good That's a good thought. Go to the plate. Don't get cheated. I appreciate yes, watching sir. you. Thank, thanks for joining us. The best of luck this weekend. Uh, best of luck tomorrow and then against the Clemson Tigers. I appreciate that. Okay, Ray, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Raymond Gill joining us on the show. And if you've never seen uh, the Hurricanes closer, Carson Palmquist throw, throwing to a tidy earn run average of 1.19 in 22 and two-third innings with 39 strikeouts and three walks. Very, very impressive. Travaris Robinson, T-Rob, defensive backs coach. We will talk Hurricanes football when we come back with one of the newest additions on the coaching staff. Coach T-Rob joins us next. Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, we are very happy to be joined on the show here tonight by defensive backs coach, Travaris Robinson, Coach T. Rob, thank you for joining us. What has your experience in Miami been like? It's been awesome. Um, I tell you what, man, it's, everyone has accepted me well around here. Um, it's been really good and unique to get a chance to go out on Green Tree practice field and, and work with the guys. We have some really talented young players here, and um, I'm really excited about where we can go, not only as a secondary but as a program. Let's start with uh, let's start with that uh, thought. The program in general. You were at South Carolina. You saw the best of the best in the Southeastern Conference. Um, how do you think the University of Miami measures up? What do you think about where the program is and, and where it's going? I tell you what, I, I've been really, 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 really I'm impressed with Coach Diaz and, and what he's been able to do from a culture standpoint. Um, our guys stand for the right things. Um, um, as far as just how they handle themselves on the field, off the field, I've been really impressed with that. And I think we got a chance to be really good. Um, from a football perspective, um, I think our guys match up with, with, with those uh, in the SEC. Um, we got guys up front that's really big. When you look at a guy like John Ford, Harrison Hunt, you look at some of those guys, interior guys, Jordan Miller, um, I think we got a chance to be really good up front. Um, we're working at the end position, obviously with the addition of DeAndre and um, some of the other guys. Um, Jafar, we, we got some guys that, that, that can really, you know, become really good edge rushers. They just got to continue to keep working. Um, we lost a lot last year in that department, and uh, we know we got to get better there, and we will. Um, at linebackers, a bunch of guys coming along. Um, I think I feel really good about, you know, where we are in that position. You know, you look at a guy, you know, like Corey Flagg. You look at a guy like Avery Huff. You look at those type of guys. Wayne Steve's starting to progress a little bit, so it's going well. And then you look at the secondary. You know, we got experienced group of safeties. You look at Amari Carter. 
Um, you look at Gergen Hall, you look at Bubba Bolden. Those are experienced guys that have played and been in the battle. And then with the upcoming young guys, the Vontae Taylors of the world, the Cameron Kitchen of the world, um, we got a chance to be really good there. And then at corner, I've been really pleased with DJ Ivy. Um, he's playing the ball well down the field right now. He got to continue to just continue to gain the confidence that he's going to need to play on the grand stage and, and do it in big time situations, which he's more than capable of doing. Um, it's crazy because I, I, I made a couple of comparisons to him. You know, I just coached a guy, JC Horn, who will probably be a top 10 pick. And um, DJ got some of the same attributes as far as the size, the speed, you know. So now it's just always doing it and, and the consistency part of not doing this and sometimes of doing it all the time. And I think, you know, he, he, he will definitely do that. And I think DVD's been doing a great job, you know, just with his mental part of it. Um, then you look at the other corners, and, and I feel really confident in those guys as well, Tyreek Stevenson. And um, to Corey Couch, and you know we hadn't seen a bunch from Al, but I think you know he's a guy that's going to fit in also. You have some big hitters back there in the secondary, intimidating forces. How do you also get those guys to be ball hawks? Um, I think that's a natural instinct. You know, you look at the different type of guys, right? A Mark Carter. He, he ain't really worried about the ball much. Um, he he, he want to hit you, um, which is a great thing. But, you know, in today's football, you have to change that, right? right, right. Because he was kicked out of a lot of ball games with targeting. So just working on different techniques and, and safety precautions that he's going to be able to play with. He can play the whole game and do things right out on the field. And that's some of the things that we're talking about with him all the time, about how is he tackling, keeping his head up, not only to protect the other player, but also to protect himself. So I think that's one of the things we've been working on. And then, you know, I think Bubba, you know, I would categorize him as a as a guy that looks for the football. Um, he's doing a really good job of getting turnovers and stuff in practice. And then also with Gervin, with, with I mean, this guy's one of the best athletes, you know, at the safety position I've been around. Um, he, he He's right there with those guys that I've seen go on and do nice things. I mean, he's athletic. He can cover. He's physical. And he's a really good football player. He's just going to keep coming on and getting better. You know, you mentioned uh, the the targeting with Amari Carter. And just to, to remove him from this question for a moment, just targeting in general, do you almost have to teach your defensive backs, your safeties to say, okay, maybe we surrender on that play? We give the catch, we'll live for another down, rather than going in hard, risking targeting, and you're ejected for, for one play. Do you have to sacrifice a catch nowadays? No. no I'm definitely not going in the meeting room telling them that. Um, what we can do, we can be just as physical as we always have been and we want to be, but we got to do it the right way. And, you know, a lot of the targets, when guys duck their head, it's been at the lower body and don't bend at the lower body. Uh, we got to do a good job of keeping our heads up, seeing what we hit, uh, and uppercutting. Normally, if you generally, if you wrap while you're running through a guy, you're not going to get called for holding because you can't wrap and duck your head at the same time. All right? So we're uppercutting through ball carriers, and that's how we practice and tracking tempos and different things like that. So we're really coming from the ground up, and we're running through ball carriers, hitting them on the rise and keeping our eyes up and seeing our target. But under no circumstances, Coach T. Rob here at the University of Miami going to tell a guy to, to let a guy catch the ball in the middle of the field. No, we ain't, we ain't going to do that. It's just so hard. That's It's such a subjective – to me, it seems to be such a subjective call. And 
I, I hate to say this, but I think we're we always. I see it, Coach T. Rob, in orange and green eyes. In orange and green eyes, I feel like we come up on the short end of it. That's right. Well, you're right. I mean, we get some tough calls around here. I understand that. So, yeah, we, we gotta we gotta coach it better. Um, so we ain't gonna point the finger and blame you know the referees or whatever the case may be because we ain't getting calls our way. We we, we gotta coach it better, and our players gotta do it better. And, um, and that's the one thing that, you know, as you sit down with them over the off season, some of their plays and you look at some of their, you know, their, their, their highlights or lowlights, you know, you want to look at those type of plays and say, all right, now how can we correct this? And then how are you going to do it in practice to show me that you're trying to get it corrected? And, uh, Amari's been doing a really good job. He had a couple of really nice shots, um, in a couple of scrimmages that, I mean, he, he, he absolutely ran through people, but he did it the right way. So then now it can be done. You wouldn't have been targeted because we had ACC officials out here. So it wouldn't have been targeted in the game setting. And then when we look at the tape, it was no way that they would look at the replay and then get him a target. So he understands now he can be as physical as he want to be, but he got to do it the right way. You have a vast amount of experience from Texas Tech to Southern Miss to Florida to South Carolina as a coach, as a player. Um, you've come across a lot of different schemes and strategy. That's part of the question. You've coached probably a lot of different personalities. How does all of that help you now at the University of Miami? That Rolodex that you that you have established from all that experience, how do you impart that on these players? Well, first of all, you, you sound like I'm an old, old man with all that. No, but you have so much experience, yeah. No, man, I tell you what, you know, you, you, it, it's crazy, man, because, you know, I spent a bunch of time with Coach Muschamp, and I learned a lot under him from a GA to a position coach to even a coordinator, right? But I also learned a lot from Coach Fedora when I was at Southern Miss. I also learned a lot from Coach Tuberville, who I played for at Auburn when I was at Texas Tech. All right, so, and Coach Elson when I was at Western Kentucky. So, for me, like, I stole bits and pieces from everybody, from DB coaches that I played under, from Emmett Thomas when I was in the Falcons, to Gene Chiswick when he was the coordinator at Auburn. So I stole a little bit from everybody on some of the technique things, some of the verbiage, some of the whatever, just how you deal with a player on a day-to-day basis. So I have a lot of knowledge, and, and that's the one thing that I tell you, man, you look at a guy like DVD, right? And, and he picks my brain on certain things all the time. And um, and that's how I was when I was his age, right? And that's the only way you can get better because you got to have more knowledge and information around you that you can grab from. So I've done that, and I'll continue to do that. Coach D has been great just seeing things from a different perspective of how he runs the program um, to how he runs the defense to how he communicate at staff. I mean, just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's always uh, having the ability to, to, to gain knowledge. And um, I think that, that that's very important. As long as you want knowledge, you can have it. You were a coordinator. Coach Shoup is on the staff as an analyst. He was a coordinator. Coach Diaz is coordinating and was a coordinator. When you guys sit down in your meetings, how does all of that come together? How how does it all help that you have all had coordinating experience? Yeah, we all have different scars and different different things that we can talk about. Because normally, like the, the way to get better is to understand what hurt you, right? So, like us, we got a lot of scars in our lives. And um, as we sit down and we talk about, hey, man, I remember when we played that coverage or that technique, like this is what they did to us to attack it. 
And now we can get to the best um, position for our players to help them out the most that that's not happening here. So, but I think it's been really good to have different ideas, different, different ways to bounce different ideas off everybody. We got a really good staff. I mean, you mentioned those three guys, um, but you look at Coach Simpson, who was the D line coach for the Atlanta Falcons and was a head coach in high school. But I mean, here's a guy who got a lot, a lot of information as far as just D line play, different stunts and different blitzes and different things like that. And then Coach Packy, he does an awesome job of that as well. So we have some talented guys in the room. And I think the main thing that, that, that Coach Diaz wanted from that was no ego. Um, and that was from him included, you know, being able to say some of the hard things that we needed to say and um, vice versa, being able to attack him and take it. So I thought that, that, that that's that been really good. And, um, and, and at the end of the day, as long as we're on the same page, um, we sometimes can agree to disagree. But as long as we're on the same page when we walk out and we're talking to the kids about what we decide to do, it's not Coach Diaz's idea, T-Rob idea, Shoop idea, Packy idea, Chess idea. It's our idea. And if we embrace that part of it, I think that, you know, we'll get the results that we're looking for. With offenses in college football being so prolific today and the rules kind of in their favor, how do you – uh, what do you think are the important things to try to shift the odds into the favor of the defense? What are some of the priorities uh, that you look at for the University of Miami to try to get the odds back in your favor? You know, always, you know, with the different varieties of offenses that you see on a day-to-day basis. Um, but the one constant that I think changed the game was the RPO coming in, right? Yeah, no Just way. different ways to change the bubble, to hold the guys for the RPOs, to give the quarterback different reads. And then also, you know, with all the tempo and the look back, not letting the offensive coordinator, you know, call the game, pour, put it on the quarterback. So being able to hold the skies a little longer, change the look for the players in those situations, you know, whether it's line up, off of the skies and do something different. So I think that's one of the things, you know, to shift to a defensive favor per se. I, I, I would think that would be one of the things that would need to be done. And then at the end of the day, you know, football comes down to a one-on-one ball game at some point with some people. And um, we have to recruit and get the right guys in place that can win one-on-one battles. Um, and that definitely starts with the D-line and the pass rush game, but then it goes to, you know, the corners outside being able to, to keep the ball in front of them. Um, so and kind of trickles the way down all the way through the middle of the defense from there. What would you like to see? Uh, what do you want to achieve between now and when you come back for the beginning of training camp in the summer, getting ready for that uh, little first matchup in Atlanta? Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. Um, the one thing – for me personally, um, I was able this spring to get my feet on the ground and change my mindset on, you know, what I used to call certain to what we're calling it now, because I think terminology is very big. Like, so I can't call it like I used to call it when I was in South Carolina. And then we call it like this because then it confuses the kids. So me changing my mindset on how we change this, how I'm doing that, what are we saying to this kid, how are we doing that? And as a staff, I thought getting on the same page this spring, you know, and I'm understanding basically why we're doing certain things, not just do them. I think that's very important from a player standpoint. Um, I think, you know, continuing to work on some of the fundamentals of football as far as pad level, I think that's something that we need to address on the defensive side of football, getting better at that. 
and um, I think we we've been working towards that, but we got to get better. And then some of the open field tackling things, you know, that showed his ugly face in the ball game. And then a certain couple plays that 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 hurt us um, last ball game. We got to get better at those plays, all right, because we we're, we're going to get attacked in that area. Um, and then for our players, I mean, just you know, staying in shape, doing what they need to do, you know, and having the mindset that we want to win a championship. I think that's the one thing. Yeah, we want to win an ACC championship. If we win the ACC championship, we got a chance uh, to be in the college playoffs. And that's just what it is. And that needs to be the goal of the program. And it is the goal of the program. But we got it. We can't talk about it anymore. We got to go do it. Well, I'm a, I'm a five foot nine, very old defensive back. I'm ready to jump through the wall for you. But you probably got somebody who's a little bit better than five foot nine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, hey listen, if we, if we get ahead. Um, we, we'll throw you in there for a play, okay? <laughs> one one last thing for you just popped in my head. You know, you mentioned all those coaches, and one of them was an offensive coach, Coach Fedora, who's a pretty good mind on the spread offense stuff. And you mentioned stealing stuff from them. How much when you when Coach Fedora talked, did you try to look at that from like a, a defensive perspective to see what might be the kryptonite to his offense? Yeah, I did. And, yeah. um, you know, he had a couple of route concepts um, that showed up in every formation all the time and he always thought it was it, it was unstoppable and um so just doing that finding ways to stop it and change up the read for the quarterback and being able to be multiple i think one of the things that coach diaz do a really good job of um since i've been here is being multiple giving different looks um, moving people not scared to you know challenge guys by competition um, putting guys behind guys or in front of guys that that play in other positions. So we've been we, we we've been changing it up a little bit, and I think that's good for the guys to keep them off balance, and that's good for those guys to have a competitive mindset that when they go out and some of these guys don't know if they're starting or not. All right, it's a big deal when you when you when you got summer workouts and you think you're the starter as opposed to you think you're going for a starting spot. Um, so I think that's been one of the the biggest things that we've been doing, and I think that, that that's going to help us a lot. Coach T-Rob, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to Miami. We're glad you're a Hurricane. Hey, I'm glad to be here, man. I appreciate you guys. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.